This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances or things I do not understand Many times trials Weakness blurs my vision And my frustration gets so out of hand Well it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken And I've never had to spend one test alone When I look at all the victories, the Spirit rises up in me. Through the fire, my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy or the hill would be too hard to climb. Without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision, and the adversary says, Give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up, and he will take you through the Cause I know within myself that I would surely perish But when I touch the hand of God, He'll shield the flame again, again He never promised that the cross would not get heavy Or the hill would be too hard to climb In the valley of decision And the adversary says Give in Just hold on Our love will show up And he will take you through the fire again Our love will show up And he will take you Thank you, Tim Wilson. When I grow up, I want to be able to sing just like Tim. Wow. Thank the Lord for his presence today. Isn't, isn't he close to us today? Thank God. And 
Let's just continue to obey him. Thank you for being here. John chapter 6 will... Yes. One, there we go. I failed to mention that we want every one of you to take one of those um, little cards and not just those that we've mentioned as, as people that um, are involved in some team or another. So if you didn't, and I'm sorry, that's my fault. If you didn't take one when it came by, please get one on the welcome desk before you leave the building. And children as well. We got enough for everyone. So thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. And if you took 20 like Dick did, would you put them back, okay? All right. And uh, Bar- Barb just handed me something. This is so cool. You know, they, they say the 80-20 rule in a church, you know, 20% of the people, they... Uh, you know, they, they basically do 80% of the work and 20% of people do 80% of the complaining. Uh, but anyway, in, in this church, it's so different. She gave me this note that 290 of you are involved in some type of ministry. So thank you so much. That is just, that is so awesome. Today is week number eight in our series, Follow Jesus. And, and if this is your first time with us while you've come in at the tail end of the movie, so to speak. This is the last episode, and uh, we're wrapping up our series. Uh, Have no fear if you've missed any or all of the lessons. You can go to eldochurch.com, follow the links, and you can catch the entire series. And I was thinking about this. You know, it's taken us two months to get through this this series uh, on Sunday mornings, but you can actually knock out the entire series in one day if you want to. Um, and, and let me just kind of embarrass myself, uh, in college once in a while, some of my buddies and I, we'd go to the movie store and, and rent VHS tapes, uh, <clears throat> of James Bond 007. And, and we would have a 007 weekend and, and watch James Bond movies back to back to back to back to back to back. And, and it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but that's what we did. And, but anyway, if you're hard up for entertainment, you could do the same for this sermon series. And, and, and I've kind of figured it up. You know, you could, you could invite your friends in, throw some popcorn into the microwave and, um, and get your sweet tea. And as long as you have high speed internet and it didn't freeze up on you, you could watch all eight messages in about six to seven hours. So that's pretty exciting news that uh, just thought I'd throw out to you this morning. Didn't sound too excited, did you? Man, you're hurting my feelings today. As we uh, wrap up this series, let me try to give you the setting for the story that uh, we'll read in in John chapter 6 in just a couple of moments. Jesus has recently fed the 5,000 people by multiplying the loaves of bread and the fish. And and these 5,000 people who have gotten in on free food... and, And by the way, can you imagine how big of a hit this miracle would have been in Cedar County? I mean, we follow free food around. That's just what we do. <clears throat> you know, every, every bank or business that has their customer appreciation day and they give away free food, we flock there, don't we, to get that 10-cent hot dog. In fact, uh, I, I think that many of us could be led off of a cliff with the offer of a free hot dog. But, but anyway, these people 
who have witnessed the five loaves and the two fish being multiplied so that 5,000 people could get free food, they're going crazy. They want to make Jesus their king. Now, let me tell you how we would have reacted if we would have been Jesus. If, if we would have been the one to multiply the five loaves and two fish so that 5,000 people could be fed, here's what we would have done. We would have been basking in the limelight. We would have walked around. We would have worked the crowd. We'd have been shaking hands. And we would have put ourselves in places to let people tell us how great we were. Isn't that right? I mean, that's the way we think. For example, this is kind of a Cedar County uh, illustration here. But we harvest a big buck during the deer, during deer season. What do we do? We put the tailgate down on our truck and we drive around town. And we go to one gas station and put in $2 worth of gas and show it off there. We go to another gas station, put in $1 worth of gas just so we can enjoy the attention. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying our accomplishments. But that's kind of the way we think. We do something great. We want people to notice and we want people to tell us, man, you're good. Good job. But notice how Jesus reacted after feeding the 5,000. Jesus knowing in in John chapter 6, verse 15, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So notice, Jesus didn't milk the occasion. He didn't stroll around wanting to hear praise. Rather, he withdrew to a mountain. Well, that evening, the disciples, excluding Jesus, because Jesus evidently was still on his mountain climb, but the 12 disciples hopped into a boat, headed out across the Sea of Galilee. Let me just kind of give you a perspective here. This is the the, the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem is way down here. And um, so... Capernaum, this is kind of where they're headed and where Jesus multiplied the area. That, that's kind of in this area. Let's go to the next slide. And uh, this is kind of probably the route that they took. They went from this area up here to, to Capernaum. But anyway, the Bible says as, as they were in the boat, they got three to three and a half miles away from the shore and a storm came up. And of course, that's when Jesus came walking up to them on the water. And, and the Bible says that when they saw Jesus, they freaked out because they didn't recognize him. So what happened? Well, in, in John chapter 6, verse 20, it says, But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And, and don't miss this little detail. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, I don't know if that word immediately was literal or not, but, but I take it that way. But it, it appears that bang, bang, they arrived to their destination. It says immediately they arrived. Well, the crowds back on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they began to be confused. And because they had seen only one boat leave, Jesus wasn't in the boat. So they began looking for him and, and they were probably hungry again and wanted more free food. So not finding him in that area, they decided to hop in their boats, head across the water to look for Jesus in that little town that I showed you called Capernaum. And sure enough, Jesus was there. He was teaching in the synagogue. Well, the word got out, and so people began to just jam-pack that synagogue. It wasn't long, however, 
until it became obvious why the people had gone across the lake to see Jesus. They weren't there to hear more of the word of God. Because in the middle of the service, during the sermon, the people began to goad Jesus a little bit. And they began to kind of egg him on and say, hey, Jesus, do that thing again. Show us a sign. You fed us yesterday. How about doing that again? Well, Jesus decided to use this time as a creative teaching moment. And he used an analogy and and he said, just like I fed you literal bread yesterday, but now you're hungry again. Did you know that God can provide something for your soul that will fill you up and satisfy you forever? And Jesus began to compare himself to bread. And he said this in John 6, 6, 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And, you know, for the people that's that sounded interesting and who wouldn't want that? And so they, they said in verse 34, sir, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now that last statement didn't sit very well with those in the audience. And they began to grumble. And they said, wait a minute, Jesus, you're not from heaven. (laughs) We know your daddy. His name is Joseph. We know your mama. Her name is Mary. And yeah, we've heard some strange stories surrounding your birth, but, but you can't fool us. You were born a baby just like the rest of us. You didn't come from heaven. In fact, let me just read it for you in John 6, 41 at this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? So all of a sudden, there's a little bit of tension in the crowd. There had been nothing but praise. Jesus had given out free food. Praise. Let's make him king. And now there's a little bit of tension. Well, in their minds, and some of you probably think this about me, but in their minds, Jesus' sermon gets weirder and weirder, if that's a word. Because in John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. And, and I just kind of wonder if, if, if the parents are ushering their kids away from the crowd. They're like, I don't want my kids hearing this stuff. This is cannibalism. Verse 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Now, in the meantime, I can just picture the 12 disciples that they're sitting there listening and kind of watching the crowd. And maybe they're thinking, okay, Jesus, this is a bit strange. Don't lose the crowd. Don't lose the crowd. I mean, we're just days away from, from your declaring yourself king. In fact, just a few miles south of here, they already want to declare you, proclaim you as king right now. So, so, so Jesus, tone it down. Get back on track. Don't lose the crowd. Well, on hearing this kind of strange sermon, 
many of his dis, uh, many of his disciples and let me just kind of clarify something here there were the 12 disciples you know you you, you know about them you've got uh, andrew james and john and, and and peter and bartholomew and thomas and, and and the others but the bible also refers to other followers as disciples as well and so they would have been the large group of disciples but among this larger group of disciples listen John chapter 6, verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? In other words, Jesus, your message is tough, and, and I don't ever understand everything you're trying to say, but, but because it's a little bit strange, but, but what I do understand stomped all over my toes. This isn't very seeker-friendly. This isn't politically correct. This is a hard teaching, Master and the Bible says that the crowd began to turn on Jesus. Well, what happened next was really disappointing. Would you believe that not only did the larger group of followers begin to turn on Jesus, but even the 12 disciples began to have some doubts themselves. And, and, and this isn't in the Bible. We're just kind of speculating here. But I wonder if some of his 12 disciples wanted to go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need to speak with you privately here. And maybe, Matthew, could you fill in and tell the crowd some tax collector jokes? Or, or, or <clears throat> Andrew, you're a fisherman. Tell the crowd about the big one that got away. But, Jesus, we need to speak to you privately. And I wonder if the disciples wanted to say, Jesus, you're losing the crowd. I mean, what's with, with this eat my flesh and drink my blood? Uh, Jesus, that's really weird. And, and why don't you get back to one of your sermons that you've done before and maybe get the parable about the dad and the two sons and people like that when it gets really emotional at the end. Or maybe you can do something on prayer or, or do something about, you know, blessed are the, are, are the peacemakers. Or, but, but, but please quit talking about eating your flesh, drinking your blood. You're going to lose the crowd. And Jesus, if you lose the crowd, you know who is right behind the crowd? The Pharisees. They're gunning for you. We need the crowd because the crowd is, is the buffer between you and the people that want to take you out. Well, listen to what Jesus says in verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Remember, it's never a good idea to whisper and grumble around Jesus. Because he, he hears you. He reads your mind. Jesus said to them, to his 12. Does this offend you? In other words, Jesus was saying, I, I know this message bothered the crowd, but does it bother you too? Are, are you offended with this teaching? And then John tells us in verse 66, from this time, from this time, so this was the transition point, from this time, many of his disciples, not the 12, but the crowd, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. In today's terms, do you know what they did? They hit the unfollow button. They unfollowed him. They loved the miracles. They loved the healing. They loved the excitement. They loved the thought that Jesus might proclaim himself to be king. Get rid of the Romans once and for all. But when Jesus said he came from heaven, that he was the bread of life, eat his flesh, drink his blood... That was too strange for them. And, and they said, we're done. We're unfollowing you, Jesus. Now, this is so relevant for us. 
Because regardless of how long you've been following Jesus and regardless of how spiritual and close to God you are right now, regardless of what position you have in the church, the day will come when all of you, when all of us will be tempted to unfollow Jesus. I know some of you are thinking, no, not me. (laughs) But yes, even you. It will probably not happen as a conscious decision. It will, it will be far more subtle than that. But, but there will come those times when you will be tempted to slack off a little bit. You will get a little bit too comfortable with sin in your life. You will have a bad attitude that will infect you. And, and so you may not make it official and say, I'm clicking the unfollow button, yet the result is the same. Now, there are several natural times when it's easier to unfollow Jesus. They all begin with T. First of all, it's easy to unfollow Jesus during a time of transition. Maybe it's a transition from middle school to high school, and now you're wanting to be accepted as one of the cool high school kids. Or it may be the transition from high school to college when, when so many church kids drop out of church. They found a new freedom, and, and their parents aren't there anymore to make them go to church. And, and the percentage is high of church kids who unfollow Jesus at this time of transition in their lives. Or it may be the transition from college to that first job. Or, or the transition from being single to being married. Or the transition from being married back to single again. Or the transition from having kids around the house, but now you're empty nesters. We all go through those times of transition where it's easy to neglect our relationship with Jesus. Now, again, you're, you're not going to be tempted to unfollow because you no longer believe in Jesus Very few people quit following Jesus because they find another way to heaven. People generally quit following Jesus because it's too hard or it's it's too inconvenient or because they now have to work some Sundays and so it's tough to get into any kind of routine or they quit following Jesus because the kids have come along and they have such a busy schedule. They're on the traveling team and so they keep you going all the time. And in none of the above cases that I mentioned Is it that you no longer believe anymore? It's just hard to stay committed to Jesus Christ with everything else that you have going on in your life. Well, another time when people choose to unfollow Jesus is during times of temptation. Again, this is not necessarily something people do consciously, but many times temptation comes along. It comes slowly and subtly, and you will go go against some of the standards Christ gave in his word. And for you young people, it may be a temptation to get involved with that guy or gal that's not serving God. And you begin to compromise your standards because you really like him or her. Or maybe the temptation is the temptation to have things, and so you devote your life to... And the energy to the accumulation of having bigger, better, nicer, newer. And you want to be pampered. Or maybe the temptation is to be entertained. And so you live for the weekend so you can have fun. And and so in the process of being tempted with all of the above, you may not realize it. But by your actions, you are unfollowing Jesus. The third time when many people are tempted to unfollow is during times of trouble. You know, people believe that if they obeyed God's word, that that would insulate them from bad things, but it didn't. And so they begin to wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? And they wonder, is God even hearing my prayers? I mean, why would I be faithful to God if he's not faithful to take care of me as his child? And, and so you, even though you may never officially say, well, I just unfollowed Jesus, yet you back off from him. You slack off from him. 
for me, one of the major challenges in this area, strangely enough, and, and I know this is hard to believe, was after I graduated from college, just opening my heart to you. I, I'd gone to Bible college, wanted to learn everything I could. I took lots of theology. I took lots of Greek. I took courses on different books of the Bible. I took courses on how to preach, and it didn't work. I don't know how I got an A in the class because it certainly didn't help much. But anyway, there in Bible college, I wanted to learn what I could. I wanted the full meal deal. Well, after I graduated from Bible college, it was a time of transition for me. And while I was trying to get direction for my life, I, I rented an efficiency apartment. You know what an efficiency apartment is? It, it's... It's where you can do everything without moving. I mean, you can brush your teeth, you can sleep, cook, go to the bathroom, take a shower, and you never have to move. It's all just right there. Uh, that's an efficiency apartment. And But anyway, I, I graduated and, and got me an apartment. During that time of transition, I got a job, and it was really a good job. God blessed me. I was manager of a car leasing agency. We leased out a bunch of cars. and But during that time, I began to be hit with doubt. And I know this is wrong, but, but, but here's what I was thinking. Joe, it's one thing to be a Christian, but you're about to make it a profession and go into full-time ministry. Are you sure you want to do this? Joe, do you realize that when you become a missionary, and, and by the way, at that time, being a pastor was in the States was not even close to being on my radar. I never wanted to do what I'm doing today. I mean, no, not even 1% of me wanted to do that. But, but, but those doubts began to hound me and... You know, Joe, do you know that a missionary and pastor, as a missionary pastor, there will be things you can never, you'll never be able to have. There will be cars and trucks you will never be able to afford. And, and of course, at that time, I was flying pretty high with a good job. In fact, not too long after I graduated from college, I bought a brand spanking new car. It was a beaut. Probably the only new car I will ever own, thanks to Dave Ramsey's teaching on this. But anyway, <clears throat> the questions were coming right and left. Joe, are you sure you want to do this? And... And then I hate to admit this, <clears throat> I hope it doesn't leave the room. Can I trust you? You're right, but anyway, I started thinking, who's going to want to marry me? <laughs> I mean, my options were limited. I pretty much invented ugly, and, and uh, I, I knew I wasn't God's gift uh, to women. And, and beyond that, whoever married me was going to have to be a missionary's wife. And I mean, what girl wants to do that? What girl wants to marry this ugly guy and end up across the ocean in a third world country? And then as missionaries, we were going to have to have missionary kids, and, and I'm a missionary kid, and that can be a problem. <laughs> I mean, a lot of missionary kids are meaner than junkyard dogs, and thankfully I was the exception. I, I thought I'd hear an amen there, but... Uh... And then here, Lord, I'm going to spend my entire life talking about a God no one has ever seen. And then I'm going to try to get people to get up early on Sunday mornings to go to church. That as a whole is stiff and starchy and boring and the music is out of date and the message is out of touch. And a lot of church buildings literally stink. And then, Lord, I'm going to try to get them to read a, 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 a book that has a bunch of these and thous in it. And as the doubts came in, it was like, Joe, what, what are you doing 
you just graduated with a bachelor of science degree with an emphasis in missions and when you leave the mission field and try to get a real job they will ask you what degree you have and you'll tell them you have a religion degree and they will laugh in your face now just a warning to all of you you will have a moment like that and yes it will have a little different look but you're going to have a moment when you begin to doubt God prom- God's promises. And you begin to doubt God's love. <clears throat> and you begin to doubt that He cares about every aspect of your life. And you begin to doubt that He has your best interest at heart. And so Peter and Andrew and John and Matthew and Bartholomew and all of the twelve disciples, they begin to have doubt and And as Jesus sees the large crowd of disciples leaving, he reads the minds of these 12 disciples and he says, so are you guys wanting to leave too? Well, in this dramatic moment, (laughs) Peter, who almost always said the wrong thing, I can relate to Peter. For once, he said something so brilliant. And he asks a question. That I hope I can just embed so deeply into your heart and mind. And, and the next time you're, you're considering unfollowing Jesus because of a time of transition or being overwhelmed with temptation or being sucker punched by troubles, you would just come back to this question that Peter asked. And remember the context is that Jesus has just said to the 12 disciples, are you also wanting to leave me? In verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, (laughs) to whom shall we go? Now think about this. What an amazing piece of insight. Lord, to whom shall we go? And and it's almost like Peter was thinking, Jesus, I'll I'll be honest with you. I do want to leave you. This teaching is hard and, and I'm unsure where this is all going to lead to. So yes, I'm tempted to leave you. But Jesus, as I've thought about this, who else would I follow? You know, Peter recognized something that most people never recognize. He, he recognized that when you choose to not follow Jesus, you automatically choose to follow something or someone else. He recognized that, that if he said no to Jesus, then he was saying yes to something or someone else. And so he said, Jesus, I've already considered the options. And, and Jesus, I'm sorry for thinking this, but I have had thoughts about leaving you. But to whom shall I go? Now, some of you, you're facing this right now. You found that salvation is free, but following Jesus is not free. It costs. Sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's inconvenient to follow Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus isolates you. Sometimes there's very little payoff and and few people come up to you and put their arm around you and say, you know, I'm so thankful that you're taking a stand for unborn children. Or, you know, I'm so thankful that you're taking a stand for marriage between one man and one woman until death separate them. I'm so thankful. I respect you for that. Thank you for doing that. Very rarely do you hear that. But if you're considering backing away from following Jesus... I think Peter would say, you need to consider the options first. Because when you unfollow Jesus, you're choosing to follow someone or something else. And so, therefore, you better think about that before you simply walk away. And Peter said, to whom shall we go? And then 
listen to something else Peter says with, with this statement. He just literally hits it out of the park. He's used to striking out, but it's a grand slam this time. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. <laughs> Lord, your words are more than just words. They are words that lead us to eternal life. And maybe as Peter was considering his options, you know, do I stay with Jesus? Do I leave? Maybe he began to think, well, what would I do if I unfollowed Jesus? Would I go back to my fishing business with my dad and settle down to a humdrum life of catching fish and selling them and raising a family? Maybe having a few grandkids to spoil and tell fish stories to? Not that there's anything wrong with that. If God calls you to that wonderful But after Jesus had given Peter an opportunity to enter the pages of history and make a difference in the eternal lives of people, going back to his fishing business seemed pretty insignificant. And I think Peter came to the conclusion that he would rather die for something than live for nothing. And yes, following Jesus would eventually take Peter's life. He would be crucified eventually. In fact, tradition said he was crucified upside down because he said you know what i i'm not worthy to die like my savior died and and the romans had a warped sense of humor and so they crucified him upside down that's what tradition says but it was okay because peter realized that jesus had the words of eternal life for those of you who are following jesus don't forget that you've been invited into something much more grand and much more glorious than your little insignificant routine and and you say joe that's rude (laughs) That's offensive to say I'm little and insignificant, but you are, and I am too. I mean, my glory is not worth living for. Your glory is not worth living for. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we've been invited into a glorious narrative that began with creation and was highlighted when Jesus died for the sins of the world, three days later resurrected, and now Jesus has given us an opportunity to be in on something that will last forever. And so the question is, who are you going to follow if you're not going to follow Jesus? Well, listen to how this narrative ends in verse 69. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, Jesus, yes, I've considered unfollowing you. But not only do you have the words of eternal life, but I've come to realize that you're the Holy One of God. You know, we've seen too much. We know too much. It's become clear to us that you're the Holy One of God. And and if we would leave you, we would never be satisfied. And for all of us here today, do you really think there's anything so satisfying in life that you could look back and say, oh, I'm glad I quit following Jesus in order to, and you can just kind of fill in the blank. You know, I'm I'm glad I quit following Jesus because my new boyfriend has such a cool car. Well, did you see that car after it hit a deer? Or I'm glad I quit following Jesus because, Joe, have you seen her? I mean, she is totally hot. Okay, maybe right now, but let's fast forward 20 years or so. I mean, come on. Or I'm glad I quit following Jesus because uh, that way I can devote my full attention to my job. And I'm so glad I can sacrifice everything for my job. Or I'm glad I quit following Jesus so I can do my own thing. I don't think anyone would ever say those things. Now, let me just say a couple more things. I know I'm, I'm past, we're going into overtime now, so this will cost you a little bit more. But um, let me say a couple things and we're done. For you young people, 
And I realize we don't have a lot of young people in this service, but we do uh, have some. Uh, it's not you, Dick, no. <laughs> but I realize we're hearing a lot of things that undermine the Bible. They undermine God's Word. You know, especially in college, and so many professors love to create doubt about the reliability of God's Word. But, but let me tell you something. Your professor, young person, your professor may be smarter than you, but they're not necessarily writer than you. If, if that's a word, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And, and if you choose to unfollow Jesus because of something you hear in a lecture hall or something you hear from your friends and you don't first consider who you're going to follow, you're making a foolish decision. That's why two questions are so important. First question, if not Jesus, then who? You say, well, I haven't thought about that. Then don't make a move until you do. Second question, if not Christianity, then what? Well, I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. Well, then don't make a move until you know what. Peter said, to whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? And so, back to my story. For those few years that I was sitting there in my little efficiency apartment thinking, what am I doing? Will I be able to survive as a missionary or pastor? Will I ever be able to afford anything nice? And will I ever find a wife that will be willing to go with me to the mission field? Little did I know, and this, this sounds like a fairy tale, this is truth. Little did I know that God was raising up a young lady over a thousand miles away that I had never met. My family had never met her family. Little did I know that when this girl was five years old, a missionary went to her church from, you'll never guess what country, Bolivia. And after the service, do you know what this five-year-old girl named Faith said? She said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary to Bolivia. Again, we'd never met. Our families had never met. We weren't even from the same denomination. And God brought this young lady to the same college I attended, brought her in contact with this young man that was wondering, would he ever be able to find a girl that would follow him to the mission field? That's the rest of the story. Isn't that a crazy story? It sounds like it was made up, but it's not. It's a real life story that God scripted for his divine purpose. And I'm just telling you, I'm so grateful I didn't walk away from my calling. And, and let me just tell you something else. We've survived. We haven't starved to death. And we've been able to afford way more nice things than we ever needed. And we've seen many people give their hearts to Jesus. And, and you know what? We've seen many people read this book that has a bunch of these and thous in it. <laughs> we've seen many people make it a practice to go to church, even with all of the flaws that the church has. God has been so gracious. I'm glad I did not unfollow Jesus. So again, to whom shall I go? If not Jesus, who? 
Don't make a move until you can answer that question. If not Christianity, what? Don't make a move until you've answered that question. So here's my wrap-up statement for today and for this series. Salvation is free. It costs you nothing. But following Christ is not free. It will cost you something. However, refusing to follow Christ will cost you much more. In fact, it will cost you everything. So as we move forward... um, Let's follow Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it at any cost. Father, I want to just thank you for the scriptures. Lord, thank you that you've given us a book where I can stand up here and, and I, can, I can teach your word. It's not just my opinion, and I realize sometimes we as pastors, we get off track and we teach opinion and all that kind of stuff. But Father, thank you that we have the script that you gave us. Thank you for the fact that it's truth. Lord, I realize that following Jesus isn't easy. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's inconvenient, sometimes it's lonely. But Lord, as I've considered my options, I don't want to go anyplace else. To whom shall I go? Because you have the words that lead to eternal life, and you're the Holy One of God. Lord, I pray that as we wrap up this series, that we would be true followers of you, not just in in name, but God, that there would be that genuine experience of knowing Jesus and following Jesus. So Lord, I pray that this week we would just follow you. I pray that next week we would follow you. Week after we'd follow you. And Lord, for those of us that maybe are considering to hitting the unfollow button, maybe just backing off or slacking off, I pray God that you would give us the courage to be able to do what's right. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for these wonderful people. Give them a sense of your presence and your blessings. I ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for coming. And my apologies to you Sunday school teachers. Uh, Why don't you just beat it right to Sunday school class? Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Just go. Thank you for being here. For listening. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.